It's a special episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. If this beach was completely covered in dicks, and somebody said I had to eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problemo. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Today's episode, The Suicide Squad. Beware, spoilers. And if you didn't hear me the first time, beware, spoilers. And you are absolutely right, John. This is a special episode. We are coming to you in front of a live studio audience. And we are on vacation. And we just happen to all take vacations together. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. So coming to you from On Location, I'm Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Heidi ho And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Hello. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yes. Which is not a sequel or a reboot. It just is what it is, according to James Gunn. Yeah, and you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Well, it'd be a cuter pig. Are you calling this movie a pig? No, I'm calling this movie a sequel. It's a continuation, I think, more. Sequel. If it's a continuation, isn't that a sequel? No, it's just a continuation. Can you give me another example? James Bond. Yeah, I would have to go there, too. Yeah. Would you call Mission Impossible, all of them, sequels, or would you call them continuations? I would call those sequels, actually. Because they put numbers in front of them. They did. Right. Mission Impossible Impossible 3, 2, 3, 4. And then they started using the names. But at that point, yeah. yeah, But at that point, it's like Fast and Furious 5, Mm -hmm. 6, 7. Now we're at the fate of the Furious. You know what I mean? So, But I would definitely call this movie a sequel because it continues our story with uh, Amanda Waller, Rick Flagg, Captain Boomerang, and Harley Harley Quinn. Quinn. So, but that's just me. And if James Gunn says it is what it is, then it is what it is. Okay, then. <laughs> All right. So, how did this movie do so far? I have no clue. Why is that? Yeah, why is that? Why do you have no clue? Yeah. Because he's the professor. He knows all this stuff. I know. He has the Google at his fingertips. However, this movie was released on Thursday. And this is the first time we are talking about a movie that is still in its theatrical run and on HBO Max. Uh, I do know that this movie was made for $187 million? 85. $185 million, And the box office numbers are yet to be determined. But uh, Thus far in America and in Canada, $26.5 million. And then worldwide, 72.2. Nice. That seems respectable. Well, almost half. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that does include all video sales and all that, so. Yeah, I wonder how that works. I wonder if uh, any of the actors or any of the crew get any cuts of the streaming services. 
I think that was the whole debate with Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow. Yeah, because originally that wasn't in the contracts for releasing it to streaming. Right, and so and I think some of her percentage comes from the theater sales. So I bet. Yeah, you would think that Marvel Marvel would just make it right, but I don't know. Time will tell on that one, right? Yeah. All right. So Suicide Squad, uh, just right out of the gate, real quick. Uh, which one do you like better, the 2016 Suicide Squad or the 2021 The Suicide Squad? Professor. I, I definitely like this one better, The Suicide Squad. John? I have to concur. This one yeah. was much better, in my opinion. Yeah. This one was directed and written by James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Which, and even had kind of a Guardians feel to it. I, I don't know why you say kind of. There it, was differences. But at the base and at the, the core of it, it was the same. I'd have to disagree. Uh, musical montages. The music, yes. Okay, I just want yes or sure. no. I, ju- I just want yes or no question uh, answers. Um, character building. Some, most of them die, so there really is no character building. I would disagree with you. There's on a lot that. more violence in this movie than. Look, look, I'm not talking about violence. That's just another added. It's just another added aspect to a story. So you're just talking about what the similarities are and not the differences. All I'm saying is it was very the same. Okay. Well, and you're, and you're saying that it wasn't because there are differences. And yes, there are differences, and it's, it's, some of it was different. But at its core, it was it was almost framed just like Guardians. Yeah. But I'm not complaining about that because I really loved Guardians, and I like this film too. Well, James Gunn was asked that question: Is this just another Guardians movie? Is it a similar to Guardians? And he said, in a lot of ways, it is. He says, but the biggest difference is the core characters. In Guardians, Star-Lord, Drax, uh, Gamora, all of them, even Rocket, are all good at heart. They all have a good intentions. They all are out there to save people and save the universe and save the galaxy. So this movie, not so much. All of them would just walk away and let everybody die, typically. Except in the end, when you see them start to get a little bit of heart. But in most cases, these are killers and criminals and people who would just sit and watch you die rather than save your life a hundred percent agree with you on that however they're still characters mm-hmm. right and no. so and so were star lord and so you have a group of characters that's my point they, but that's it's, like it's a group it's a group of characters that's like it's not one character it's a group it's a team it's but, a team film but it's like saying star wars is just like guardians of the galaxy because they're a group of characters no that that that's not because Star Wars doesn't have musical numbers. Well, it doesn't have the 80s and it, numbers. And it doesn't have the pacing, doesn't nearly have as clever writing. So, no, you can't say that. Okay. Uh, Professor, good sir. Yes. Did you feel it was very Guardians influenced? Uh, in hindsight, I certainly feel that way, that it has uh, undercurrents of a, a Guardian sort of feeling to it. There was a, a lightness to our characters, and certainly many moments were given where we are endured to the characters. Uh, even though it's it's a gallows humor, I, I definitely can see that, especially when you throw in the music as well. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Uh, it works really well in this atmosphere because I liked the characters that he introduced us to even though we only saw him for a few seconds, uh, I, I kind of bought it, right? And then I didn't see coming, and we'll get there, but, you know, the distraction. So, I mean, yes, there's a lot of things that are different, but the feel 
in the soul, I think, is very Guardians based. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? So I loved Guardians 2, uh, 1 and 2. So quick translation, I should just eat a bag of dicks? Do you love liberty? Yes, I do. And if this beach was covered in dicks and you had to eat each one for liberty, would you do it? I'd say no problemo. All right, my man. Intelligence officer Amanda Waller sends two Task Force X teams led by Colonel Rick Flagg and Bloodsport to the South American island nation of Corto Maltese after its government is overthrown by an anti-American regime. The squads, mostly comprised Bell Reeve Penitentiary inmates, promised lighter sentences, are tasked with destroying Jodenheim, a Nazi-era laboratory that holds a secretive known experiment as Project Starfish. Upon arriving, Flag's team is ambushed by Corto Maltese military, resulting in the deaths of Savant, Captain Boomerang, Blackheart, TDK, Javelin, and Mongal. However, the skirmish creates a distraction that allows Bloodsport's team of Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Ratcatcher 2 to enter the country undetected. After finding Flag at a base camp for rebel soldiers, the squad convinces rebellion leader Sol Soria to assist them. All right, so let's talk about the opening of this flick. What did you think of opening with Savant, Michael Rooker? I dug it. I, uh, I dug that the we get to open on a character that we don't know, plus it's Michael Rooker, who comes from James Gunn's past. Uh, always fun to see in a movie. So it, it didn't bother me. It it opened the way I felt the first one should have. The the first one, our opening, it was 20 minutes of us being introduced to the characters twice. And I thought that was just, that was dumb. So I, I appreciated this one. Did you get the symbolism in his opening shots? No. Savant is actually a character from the comic book series Birds of Prey, where he fights, you know, the the likes of the Huntress, uh, Batwoman, and you know other characters. So, him killing the bird, he's killing the birds of prey. It has to do yeah. with birds of prey. Well, I I didn't know he came from the birds of prey. So, but now that you say that, that's that's cool that they tie that in there. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not condoning killing birds by any stretch of the imagination, I think that is cruel and unkind. I think it was said best, I believe, by your wife Maggie while we were watching this movie, that when the bird died, I think Maggie said, oh yeah, this guy has to die. I hope he's the first to die. I hope he's the first to die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's not the first to die, but he dies nonetheless. So Because he's a chicken shit. Yeah, well, which is funny. He was introduced into there. I believe James Gunn said in an interview they put him in and had him die in the way he died because they wanted to introduce. Not only is it, you know, a scary situation, he's a coward, but it also shows what happens when someone tries to run away. Sure, but and but we've seen it before. Yeah, we we've seen it with Slipknot, but we're, this but we're this reintroduced to it, right? But this is done so much better. Yeah, because I kind of liked Michael. I mean, minus the bird killing, of course, but I like Michael Rookie. So I wanted to see what his character was going to ultimately do. Slipknot, I could give a shit about, right? Yeah. So already, already better than the first film. Well, I got the impression, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, that 
this is a you know like you said this is a continuation you can call this a sequel this is also a standalone you don't need to see the first movie to get what's going on and they go over it real quick they're grabbing criminals for a suicide mission if you screw up you get your head blown off oh i agree so I mean, you, yeah you have no reason you even have to go back and watch the first movie yeah but, but most people have yeah so uh, all right, so let's talk about this first team that she's assembling or that we get introduced to. Savant, Captain Boomerang, Blackguard, TDK, Javelin, and Mongal. Uh, Harley I, Quinn, I have, Harley Quinn and Weasel were also on that team. Yes, because Harley Quinn comes onto the chopper and says she was taking a deuce. I have no idea who these characters are. So Same. So break it down for me in two minutes or less. Savant, I mentioned, was introduced in Birds of Prey, number 56, in 2003. I really don't know much about that character. Captain Boomerang was from The Flash. Number 117 was his intro episode, or issue, 1960. I didn't realize he was that old. Oh, I didn't either. And he was in the first film. He was in the first film. Still played by Jai Courtney. I found it surprising that they killed him off so fast. Yeah, but the, at the rate that that bloodbath was going... I, I kind of figured that everyone was done for. I mean, minus Harley. Mm-hmm. I even thought Flag was up for up for um, execution as well. But yeah, then there was the uh, TDK, which actually isn't his name in the comic books. But do you remember what TDK was stood for? The disjointed kid. Do you remember, Professor? Mm-mm. The dissected no. kid. The detachable kid. The detachable kid. So I guess he could throw his arms. To different places, which makes sense because in the comic books, he goes by Arms Fall Off Boy. Yeah, and he was played by Nathan Fillion, who yeah. is always fun in a film. Yeah, so that was Secret Origins, Volume 2, number 46, 1989, that he was introduced. There was Black Guard, who was Pete Davidson, which was, he originally came from Booster Gold, number 1, uh, 1986. Now, did do you, I told you earlier, do you remember, what is his alias name? I don't remember. Professor, you know? Uh, I'm still trying to recall. Yeah. Out of costume, his name is Dick Hertz. Dick Hertz. That's right. Yeah. I thought that was kind of an interesting A lot of to, Dick references in, to, this, in this film. Yeah, yeah, put into the movie. Javelin, don't know anything about it. He was a new character that I had not really heard of. I believe he is a Flash villain. We have, uh, I mentioned that. Harley Quinn, of course, you know, lovable Harley Quinn. She's been, in, I believe, three movies now. I think this is Harley Quinn's third movie. Because she had the original Suicide, she had Birds of Prey, and now she has this movie. What is the difference between her and all these other characters in the movie? She didn't get an origin in a comic. She got an origin on TV. Yep. She came from the Batman animated series. So that is a difference for her. And then we had this character, the Weasel. What do you think of Weasel? What the hell was he? What the hell was that about? We don't know. We don't get to know anything about any of these characters, really. We don't get to know what their powers are, why they're metahumans. Uh, we can see that Savant's really good at, uh, 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 what's it called, geometry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Weasel, no clue. And Javelin, okay, he's got a Javelin. But Mongal? Yeah, yeah, who is Mongal? Mongal is actually the sister of Mongrel, who runs Warworld in the Superman comics. 
so she's actually on the level of powers of Superman, which oh, I really? thought was kind of funny that she just burns up. But again, well, that's she's how, not that. She's obviously not that much like Superman. No, but it kind of jumping up and grabbing the helicopter made kind of sense. Yeah, but did, well, okay, it made sense because she's strong. But did it make sense tactically because she no. kills herself? She's pretty stupid, <laughs> right? I mean, but she's like a barbarian woman, is what she's like. I was wondering uh, how how do you pull the helicopter down because she has nothing to pull against. That's kind of like how how does Superman do it? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, they they actually bring that up in The Boys, and if you haven't watched that on Amazon, The Boys, you should check it out. Uh, the Weasel was actually modeled after Bill the Cat from Bloom County Comics. I love Bill the Cat. Yeah, that's what they modeled that character. I can see after. that in his face. Oh, yeah, uh, it was played by his brother Sean Gunn. Yeah, and, James Gunn being the director. And who else did Sean Gunn play in the movie? Uh, the Calendar Man. Calendar man who gives the polka dot man a hard time at Bell Reeve. Yeah. And uh, what else does Sean Gunn do for James Gunn? He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. As? As the sidekick of Yondu. I and, don't remember his name. And? And? He plays Rocket. Oh. He does the motion capture for Rocket. I, I did not realize that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So I it made, didn't know that. So as soon as I knew that James Gunn was directing this film and they had a weasel character, I said, I bet you anything that's Sean Gunn. Now, the, either way. Now, going back to the beach scene, like you were saying, uh, this first team was the distraction team. I got the impression that, that Amanda Waller figured they were just going to die. And I got to tell you, it caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. It, it did. They just started me killing everything. And then I think at this point, I had asked somebody, uh, is this rated R? And then Pete Davidson gets his face blown off. And I'm like, oh, yep, it's rated R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most gruesome death there. Yeah, Pete Davidson actually had to miss the uh, season opening of Saturday Night Live to film this movie. And he's in, what, five minutes? If that. Yeah, because he's in he's, this scene and a flashback Yeah, scene. he's in a couple of flashbacks and then that's it. So uh, the uh, decoy team comes in, gets completely wiped out, but Harley and Flag manage to survive. And then uh, a cute little bit, the javelin man gives Harley his javelin. And so she takes it on like it's this big responsibility. Well, oh, because he says, uh, take it and use it for. And I love that part because. And then he dies. That, that happens in so many movies that, you know, someone dies and they bestow upon a person this thing that ends up being the big savior in the end. And she's like, what am I supposed to do with it? And I'm thinking, he just gave you his javelin. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, Harley. Yeah. The, the voices in her head were telling her to do that it was a, a mission from God. Yeah, she goes, she goes, I think God wants me to do something with this. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Maybe him too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On the beach, who was your favorite death? Uh, probably Pete Davidson. I, I think I liked Weasel. Him drowning? Him yeah. drowning. <laughs> Did anyone check to see if the weasel could swim? No, that, that was pretty good. The savant actually saved him, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, we kept talking about Savant earlier, and then he d- he sees what's going on, pisses his pants, and starts swimming away, and then Waller has to detonate the bomb in his neck, which, you know, those are the rules, right? What do you think of TDK when he sends his arms off to hit the soldiers, and he's just hitting them like three stooges <laughs> down on the head, slapping them around? Yeah. Just, yeah, what was that? It just felt very neat. Nate Fillion. It did, and it felt very James Gunn, and okay. It was Whatever. it was obvious to me at that point when I saw the hands just smacking around. It's like, oh, yeah, she sent him in to die. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They they aren't really supposed to be able to do anything. This isn't a team, a crack, you know, force team that's going to take out the bad guys on the beach. Right. And so as as we're sitting here watching this and they're all getting uh, shot and killed and the suicide squad uh, actually went to go commit suicide, uh, we cut back to Waller in the command center and she they're saying, you know, uh, squad one is completely surrounded. It worked. And then the camera pulls back and the map pulls back and we see the other team and then we focus in on them. And when then we see then we see that it's Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, Rat Catcher 2, and Blood Sport. And so now we have to do a flashback and tell us how we got these characters. Mm-hmm. So now we're going backwards. Yeah, so we go from uh current time to back three days back at Belle Reve and they're doing them one of those little montages that where they keep grabbing each person and that person joins the parade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what'd you think of blood sport replacing Deadshot? I was down with that. I was, um, I, I was fine having uh, Idris Elba in the movie and that's all I really cared about. I, I think that he's a strong, uh, actor and having uh will smith still in the universe okay i'm fine with that yeah is he i mean yeah the way that i read it is originally when they were doing the first movie and they were looking for a dead shot they were actually between will smith and idris elba did i say the name right idris idris elba they were between the two to play dead shot and of course will smith got the role and then in the second movie when will smith couldn't do you know, the Suicide Squad, uh, they were hired Idris Elba to play Deadshot, then decided, well, we might want to bring back Will Smith at some point. So they decided to create, you know, to use this other character, Bloodsport, for Will Smith's character. But they kept all of his content the same. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's sure. basically almost the same character. Well, I was just going to say that. And that kind of, when I first saw the previews, I was like, did they replace him? Is he the same character? Blah, blah, blah. Even his motivation really is the same, right? Well, yeah. Which is kind of his daughter. Kind right. of funny for me being the comic book guy. Uh, it's a little bit funny. They completely, yeah, it is a little bit funny. Don't it's feeling inside. This is why these fucking things are two hours and five minutes. Go on, John. Uh they completely rewrote Bloodsport's origin, completely different from the comic book. They so you so what I hear you telling me is that the filmmakers James Gunn purposely gave him the same backstory as Deadshot. Basically, yes. Okay, because in the comic books, the actual Bloodsport Robert Dubois was a. Uh, he started out as a gentleman who was drafted into the Vietnam War and decided to run away rather than uh, go to the war because he was afraid. And when he did that, his brother replaced him and actually went off to war and was severely wounded, lost his arms and legs. So when he came home and Robert Dubois saw his brother in this condition, he went insane, thought he actually went to the war himself and went around killing people in the name of uh, that he basically felt they didn't support him enough while him and his brother were veterans of the war. Huh. And then I'm not sure I would want either of those. Yeah. It's a weird story. And Lex Luthor ends up recruiting him to kill Superman, but he ends up killing a bunch of people. So even Lex Luthor and Superman team up to stop him. Interesting. I did like how they said how he got into Belle Reeve in the film. 
he put Superman in the hospital with a kryptonite bullet. That's the one thing that actually did happen in yeah, the comic book. I, I like that. I like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of Idris? I think he was my favorite character. Yeah. That, that and Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Who is your favorite character, Don? Out of the, the cast four sex. I'm going to go ahead and say it's TDK. Really? No. Uh, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. You get back to me? Okay. What about you? My favorite character? I'm leaning more towards King Shark. I kind of like that comic relief. Yeah, you like Hulk. Um, well, he's he's actually, I think, is he Hulk or is he more Groot? Oh, he's probably a combination of both. That's yeah. exactly what I think. As soon as you say Groot, it's like, oh, James, yeah. there. James yeah, yeah. Gunn described him as Groot without the empathy. <laughs> oh, I guess Groot does have empathy. We are Groot. Um, so uh, my, fav- my, my favorite character, if, you know, gun to my head, I would probably have to say it's Bloodsport. I thought it'd be Peacemaker. I, I did like his character. I did. And speaking of Peacemaker, he is the second guy we, that we pick up in the uh, parade, as you called it. And we find out that Peacemaker is none other than John Cena. Uh, if he is fighting for liberty and, you know, all that, why is he in Belle Reve? Because he will kill people, kill lots of people uh, to obtain peace. Kind of, oh, okay. kind of sort of Team America style. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, the character in the comic book starts out uh, fighting for peace, you know, beating up a lot of people, but doing it, and he doesn't kill people in the beginning. Then he starts getting more and more violent, more and more. Carried away. More carried away. Starts killing people all in the name of obtaining peace. Yeah. So this guy is played by John Cena. What do you think of Cena in this role? He was fun. He was a fun character. I enjoyed the, uh, um, as I might refer to it, is is a little bit of a dick off that he and Bloodsport have when they're uh, infiltrating the camp. But we'll get to that later. Oh yes. The yes. best description I heard of this character is douchebag Captain America. He's oh, a douchey yeah. Captain America. No, yeah. He is a douchey Captain America and, for and sure. John Cena, even in his wrestling, you know, ego style, he's always acts like he has a stick up his ass. Yeah. And that's how I felt this character did too. This is pro- this is the third thing I've seen Cena in film wise, and the guy continues to knock it out of the park. Yeah, he, I think he's he has, off to a really good. start. I think he has great comedic timing, and his deadpan delivery makes me chuckle. Do you ever see Sisters? No, Mm-mm. with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. That's uh, a good flick. He's in that for ten seconds, and he stills the entire scene you, and he says nothing it's just funny and then blockers he's hilarious in too. you don't feel so. like he plays the same character in a lot of these movies well show me an actor that doesn't i mean i feel like it's all his you know wrestling well, maybe, character maybe he's tra- he's doing that dwayne johnson playbook well he has yeah. to because uh dwayne johnson's probably the most successful successful wrestler to become a movie star uh batista can do it but batista plays all the same characters too mm-hmm. right um so he they're just sticking with what they know and it, if, like i said if it ain't broke it's funny that you bring up batista because he was actually originally cast for peacemaker but could or he turned it down to go do um Zack Zack snyder's, snyder's uh zombie movie do you see that yes uh, we'll have to talk about that i haven't seen it yet i was wondering if it was worth checking out it's actually um, it's actually okay oh okay so yeah, and then we get introduced to more characters. Uh, Rat Catcher Two. I was I'm not familiar with this character at all. John, I was actually not familiar with her as well. Uh, I know Rat Catcher One just controlled rats. That's 
And so Super this exciting. is so this is what we find out in the film that Rat Catcher Two can control rats, and she has a little pet rat named Sebastian, and that uh, that comedy bit will keep coming back to us. Well, I loved how I think it was at Bloodsport or someone was it Bloodsport or Peacemaker nicknamed her Ratatouille. What do you think of the Rat Catcher there, sir? Uh, the character grew on me the more we got to see her in the movie. I I, I think that she really. Uh, uh, she became a likable character when she was befriending King Shark. Yeah. Was she just put in there to be the heart of the team? Maybe. The because conscience. she's the one who's like, you know, trying to make friends with King Shark and, you know, trying to bring out the good in blood sport. And yeah, maybe. And they keep having the little flashbacks of her with her dad. Which was played by? I can never pronounce his name. I, I never don't even pronounce his name. Taika Watiti. Heiko Watiti. So we have a lot of Marvel crossovers into DC. It's like DC yeah. was throwing out a fucking lifeline going, we're dying, guys. Help us. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, well, we can talk about this later, but this all came about because Disney fired James Gunn. But go on. No, that was it. Oh, okay. Now, are we introduced to the Polka Dot Man next? Yep, we get the Polka Dot Man who, you know, I... Cleo Cazzo? I still don't understand this character, but I liked him because he was written well. And the guy who played him, the guy from the Dark Knight, uh, did a great job. Again, James Gunn just gives these guys great dialogue. And yeah, I didn't understand what he did, but I didn't care. Well, it's interesting the way they had him in this movie versus the way he is in the comic books. In the comic books, he's a minor league Batman villain. Uh, He came from Detective Comics back in 1962 and his whole thing was it was back during a time when they brought in a lot of villains not to try to you know there weren't really criminals who were out to make money or steal things they just wanted to best batman yeah and so he had polka dots all over his costume but when he pulled off the polka dots they were all different gadgets and gizmos and weapons to fight batman what did they say they give it to him here it was a uh, extraterrestrial virus or something yeah. or was, interdimensional his, interdimensional? his mother infected him with an interman- interdimensional virus to try to give him and his brothers and sisters superpowers yeah so superpowers gone wrong so he vomits polka dots yeah. and apparently they're like acid or they're they explode they're very lethal yeah they are very lethal yeah abner but, krill is his name cleo Caso is actually rat catcher too um i would oh. have to say behind king shark I, you know originally when i saw the previews i thought oh my god this character looks stupid but he was probably my second favorite character just in the fact of you know he's got the mental illness he seems very suicidal and the fact of that he sees his mother everywhere and hates her which i thought was a pretty funny bit that was yeah. a fun reveal yeah which was good so we meet polka dot man and then we get introduced to john's favorite character the king shark so tell me a little bit about king shark there guy uh, well, King Shark in the comic books, they, they've had a few different versions of him. In some versions, he's just a regular shark-looking guy. In other versions, he's a hammerhead shark. Most versions, he actually has some intelligence. Uh, he's fought all kinds of people. Uh, King Shark, originally, he did a cameo in Superboy. Well, his first appearance was really Superboy number 9 in 1994. And then they did these things called Zero Issues. Uh, so then he had a cameo also in Superboy Zero in 1994. 
So I don't know which one was exactly his first appearance, but his origin, they have a couple of different stories. He's believed to be a descendant of a, a shark god. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because he can walk on land. Yeah. But I, did, I think wasn't he in the animated series? I think he was in the animated. He's series. He's in the Harley Quinn animated series. Oh yes, yes he is. He That's right. Also is in the Flash TV series. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another CGI character that we get to watch, and sometimes he looked fake, and sometimes he looked really good. So mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Sylvester Stallone did the voice, and like we said earlier, he was doing a very uh, good mixture of Groot and the Hulk. I felt. Um, but, you know, he's a fun character, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So after we're done meeting these guys, we snap back to uh, present time, and we're on this island. What did you think of the the transitions that uh, James Gunn was using to tell us where we were at and what was going to happen next? They felt very comic book to, you know, to me, so I actually enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah I dug them too. Yeah, they were, they were fun, uh, just uh, using the organic bits of what was on the screen. Yeah. The whole pace of the movie was fun, entertaining, and unexpected. Yeah, unexpected is a good word. The squad accomplishes their next objective of capturing the Thinker, a metahuman scientist in charge of Project Starfish. They are joined by first-team survivor Harley Quinn, who escaped the Corto Maltese government after learning of the new regime's plans to use Project Starfish against other nations. Breaking into Jotunheim, most of the squad rigs the facility with explosives as Flag and Ratcatcher 2 enter the underground laboratory with the Thinker. They discover Project Starfish to be Starro the Conqueror, a giant alien that controls its victims through smaller versions of itself. The Thinker reveals that Starro was brought to Earth by the American government, who have been secretly funding the experiments on Corto Maltese for decades. Peacemaker, under secret orders to cover up America's involvement, kills Flag after he refuses to surrender a hard drive containing evidence of this revelation. Meanwhile, a skirmish between the squad and the Corto Maltese military leads to Polka Dot Man accidentally setting off the explosions prematurely. Ratcatcher 2 attains the drive from Peacemaker, and Bloodsport saves her by shooting Peacemaker. The torture scene with Harley Quinn, where they're electrocuting her. Did you think, okay, she's a mental patient from Arkham Asylum, where she got lots and lots of shock therapy. What's this going to do to her? Yeah, I thought it was kind of a bad move by the bad guys, but they I mean, didn't. Know they seem to know who she was. Yeah, but they don't probably they don't know her backstory. They didn't watch the first Suicide Squad. Okay, I thought that it was a, a very clever ruse that she did in uh, in lulling them into having uh, confidence that they have broken her. Right. So the this military unit is led by the El Presidente. And then there's an evil general, and then there is the scientist, right? So typical, typical bad guys for this type of situation. Harley and Flag get captured. Harley by the uh, government, Flag by the guerrillas, and Harley is taken to the president, and he tells her in his most James Bond villain-esque type way of his plans, and then they go at it, and then. One part I thought was very unexpected is he's talking to Harley and then all of a sudden she shoots her in the chest. So they're so, killing off the president right now. Yeah, so Harley. 
Well, here's the thing about Harley Quinn in this movie. And I know from what I've read about her character development and what Margot... Uh, is Margot... Yeah, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. What Margot Robbie said about the development of this character is if you take her straight from Birds of Prey, you know, she's trying to get over her relationship, her breakup with the Joker. She's not going to get hooked up with another bad boy, another guy that's just going to cause her wrong. So I almost felt like there was two versions of her in this movie or two ways to look at her in this movie is one, she's what you always, you know, what you're yelling at the screen that you want people to do. Like, don't trust him. Just shoot him now. It's exactly what she does. You know, she's not going to wait until he screws her over. She's going to save herself instead of waiting for someone to come save her. You know, she does all of that on her own. She doesn't break. She doesn't cry. She doesn't do any of that stuff. She's pretty badass. Yeah. But she's also, her character, her whole, you know, design of her character is she is walking chaos. So everything about her is unexpected. Yeah. Well, she's always been like that. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I fully expect. I fully expected that this is the Harley that comes directly from Birds of Prey. Well, did you notice the difference in her tattoo from the first movie and the second movie? I did not. She has a tattoo on her that says, in the first movie, property of the Joker. Oh, and then, then yeah, in the back it says property of no one. Exactly. It's yeah. changed to this movie. There's a second yeah. one as well. Yeah. The, the one on her front says Daddy's Little Monster, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They also, her and James Gunn both agreed to remove rotten off of her cheek. They uh, thought that that just didn't fit her character, especially uh, in the she, newer movie. She didn't have it in Birds of Prey, I don't think, did she? No, no but I think she first, had in the first movie. First suicide. Yeah, well, fuck that movie. So uh, let's talk taking the camp. Right. So, <laughs> so, so they, have a, they have a rough night in the jungle where they're arguing and such. This is Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and the rest of Polka Dot, all of them going through this camp to save Flag. Which they didn't know Flag was there. They were surprised to find Flag. Well, I thought they were sent there to save. Amanda Waller said, "I have another mission for you." Well, that was a, that was an added added mission. So they when they first landed, they weren't there to save Flag. Yeah. They were there to go infiltrate, right? Yeah. Uh, but then Flag got captured. They figured out where he was, and Amanda Waller said, "Go get him." So they do, but they have to camp first, right? Yeah, and they have their kill off. Oh, yeah, almost. Uh, did you want to talk about the camp scene? Is that what you... Oh, so briefly. I, I, I enjoyed very much how uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker were almost uh, trying to one-up each other in their kills, their death, their, their, their death count. Which was your favorite death, Professor? John Cena's uh, Peacemaker walking by the guy with his blade and the guy's laying in the hammock or on a table or something. He just walks by and he just, as he walks by, he's stabbing him each time so he gets like a dozen stabs. Yeah, I would have to agree. I That's that your one, favorite one? I think so too. My favorite one is Bloodsport shooting the electric device off of the table into the guy's bathtub. <laughs> oh, so oh yeah, that was him. funny too. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Great scene. Great scene. Yeah, and I love how they're doing boom, 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 just killing people, and King Shark just comes out of the woods and eats somebody. And then they find Flag, and he's actually having tea with the uh, gorilla leader, uh, and they have to tell her that they just killed her most of her army. Yeah, her and name, I believe, is Sol Soria. Sur- uh, there you go. Which is interesting because in the comic books, that's actually a male character. They gender-swapped for the movie. Oh, 
And uh, she's actually a first appearance, Suicide Squad, Volume 5, number 33, in 2018. So that is an actual character from the comic books. Yeah. Well, I, I, never, I, never, I didn't think it wasn't. Um, so, yeah, they meet her. And then what would you think of the scene where they have to tell? Tell her. And they're all just kind of standing there with their heads down. Yeah. They're looking at the carnage. And Flag's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Well, the funniest part is they get there and both Bloodsport and Peacemaker is like, oh, we didn't see anybody. And is it King Shark comes in and says, I ate people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that, would you say of the scenes in this movie, was that one of the best scenes? I think that that, that was probably one of, one of my more... Uh, favorable scenes when once we get to the thinker and and the whole uh, uh third act yeah I, I i longed for more of what i was having earlier in the film sure i would, can see that would you compare adding the thinker to the movie that that transition to like when they in butterfly or was a butter peanut butter falcon when they added dakota not for me no okay how about you don no i didn't i i like dakota's character you didn't because I, I hate love, apparently, remember? You hate everything. And, and I root for the machines. Yeah, yeah, you do. So they uh, find uh, the guerrilla leader, Sol Soria. Soria. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, Sol Soria agrees to help the Suicide Squad. Even and, after they just killed all of her people. Right. And so now they have to go find the thinker, this guy that has, you know what his head reminded me of? It reminded me of Doc Brown's Totally. Uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, yeah. His yeah, where he's thing. wearing the colander with all the wires. Yeah, yeah. Or it also reminded me, did you guys ever see Sky High? Yes, I did. And do you remember the, uh, I think it's, I know it's not the guy who plays Monk, but there's a, a professor in there who has a bulbous brain. It kind of reminds me of that. He's too. from uh, the show Boys in the Hall. Oh, so, oh yeah, yeah. He was one of the people right. on that yeah, show. Yeah. So, anyways, we're introduced to this metahuman, and the squad has to kidnap him or take him. But just right before they do, they're the, waiting. They're they're hoping to snag him at a bar. Yeah. So they're blending in at a bar. Yeah. Uh, and the military shows up and is looking for all Americans. So they rat catcher two and polka dot man take him out the back and blood sport and flag take the rap. Oh, and peacemaker. The thing that bothered me about this character, the thinker is in the comic books, he's this big smart guy. Who's always coming up with these amazing plans and things like that. He didn't really do any thinking in this movie. He didn't do, you know, I was waiting for the big screw job, you know, the big turn where, oh, it's revealed that he's been leading everybody to this direction the whole time and setting everything up to control this big starfish and all that stuff. That's what I was kind of thinking and too. throughout the whole movie, he he's just seems like a, just another guy that they're dragging along. But he is the one that is leading everything. Yeah, but there's no big surprise turn at any point. What kind of surprise did you want? That, like I said, that he had planned for them to show up and he was going to use them for some big plan that he had where he was going to become the big boss and interesting and take over the world, you know, like any big bad would. Oh. He wasn't the big bad. He just turned out to be a scientist. Yeah, I, I didn't understand what type of thinking or, or progress he was making with uh you know the uh the dissidents and the writers that were uh pulled off the streets and then they imprisoned them with you know w with the face huggers which totally felt like aliens oh yeah yeah the impression i got was it was several different fold one whether it was that 
the original people or it was the new president or it was this general. This is how they were getting rid of the people who were dissidents, who complained about the government. They just like they said they were reporters, dissidents, you know, soldiers for the other side, things like that. They were sending them in to be experimented on. The experiments, they never really say what he's trying to do. Never yielded anything. But it looks like either he's trying to contr- you know, figure out how does Starro control these people or how does he keep them alive? Because you notice there was like one guy cut in half but still alive with the thing on his face. Mm-hmm. He did reveal at one point that once you get the star on your face, you're dead. There's no coming back from that. Yeah, it's I got a very invasion of the body snatchers vibe. Yeah. And what he was getting out of it was every person that the starfish controlled, it got bigger. Mm-hmm. And he controlled the big starfish. Or so he thinks. Yeah. Because he's a thinker, right? Um, but that was his goal. His goal was to control this thing. If he controls the biggest weapon, he is the most powerful man. Mm-hmm. right so that's his ultimate end game i didn't need a whole bunch of backstory to tell me that i picked up on that pretty quick yeah but he controls the starfish but he's being controlled by whoever's in power uh, he's letting them think the military and the president he no you know because he's a super villain you know he's just he's the brains behind the mm-hmm. brawn absolutely because I mean, he's he's the one that controls so they bring him in and they say welcome to our team and he was like well yeah no shit I, of course I'm on the team. This is this is my creature. You don't get my creature without me. So very arrogant, very pompous type of a villain. But I don't know. Well, I guess the big reveal was that even though he says, okay, well, I'll work with you, and I used to work with them, and really he was working with the Americans. So really oh, well, yeah, Waller because, probably had control Right, because, him. yeah, because the Americans were funding the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he liked to assume that he, could, he had control because he, mm-hmm controlled the beast so yep. or as the beast said to him uh he's had his way with me yeah where are we we are we are rescuing harley quinn from the president oh that's right so she shoots the president she puts on his boots and then oh you know the torture scene you know when she gets up off of the chain you know what that reminded me of hmm. very ever so briefly lethal weapon yes uh-huh. when, when they string up mel gibson in there yeah I mean, she does yeah. it much more gracefully by picking the keys and, uses her, and undoing the lock, and which was that actually typical reminded, Harley. It reminded me of the first movie where she was kind of doing all the acrobatic stuff when we first met her. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that for sure. So she has to escape the uh, compound, and but at the same time, this team is going in to save her, and as they're getting ready to storm the the uh, the front. Uh, Harley gets in a cab and she looks out the window and she's like, is that who I think it is more or less? And then she gets out and as they're trying to break in, she's like, hi guys, <laughs> which I thought was, was a fun moment. I love the part about where it's like, we had a plan and it was a great plan. Well, yeah. you, you can still do it. I'll go back in. Yeah, I'll go back in. Yeah. Uh, did you, when she was walking out and everything was slow motion and she was using the guns, this and the other, I was thinking, she should have taken the school of John Wick and shot everybody in the head because it, it looked very similar. Mm-hmm. What do you think of what were we seeing through her eyes, her mental illness of every these flowers and everything flowing out of people instead of blood? And- yeah. Yeah, that was that was definitely out of, it's twofold, right? Definitely out of her mind. But the the well, and that the, also happens in uh, Birds of Prey. 
Yeah, and the the filmmakers decide to go less gore, but you still get the idea and you make it look pretty. So I thought it was a clever way to get rid of all the gore in that. Because if all of the flowers were blood, it's going to be a pretty fucking gory scene. And again, this is another scene of when her walking out of just how chaotic she is, just how full of chaos. You know, the things where she's pulling the guards' heads into the fence just repeatedly. I mean, she's already knocked the guy out, and she's still just beating his head against the the metal bars. Yeah, this movie pulls no punches, and I applaud James Gunn for going for it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, he felt that it being an R-rated movie, then, you know, let's go for it. Yeah, and he's no stranger to weird things in movies like this because, I mean, he did Slither, and Slither got pretty fucking weird, too. That was, yeah, that was a weird movie. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I liked it. So the uh, entire building starts coming down on their head. We get some really cool action sequences. And uh, Starro, the Conqueror, is about to escape, uh, thus setting us up for our third act. Starro escapes the laboratory, kills the Thinker and much of the military, and begins taking control of the island's population. Weller tells the squad to stand down, stating that their mission is complete. But Bloodsport leads his teammates into battling Starro while Waller's subordinates prevent her from executing the squad. Polka Dot Man is killed, but after Harley pierces a hole in the alien's eye, Ratcatcher 2 is able to summon the city's rats to chew Starro to death from the inside. With the military distracted, Soria takes control of the government, and she pledges democratic elections. The squad's heroics in saving the country are broadcast internationally via the media. Using the drive as leverage, Bloodsport forces Weller to release him and his surviving teammates, Harley, King Shark, and Ratcatcher 2, from their imprisonment in exchange for keeping this contents confidential. And they are airlifted out of Corto Maltese. Roll credits. Before we get into this part... What did you think of the big fight scenes between Peacemaker and Flag? It was a fight scene. It was just the fight scene, nothing too exciting. I mean, yeah. Well, we didn't really discuss Peacemaker's turn. We find out that he is, in fact, a douchebag Captain America, and he goes on his secret mission, and he tries to get the drive, and Flag's like, no, the everyone needs to know this. So, I mean, naturally, he has to take matters into his own hand. I didn't think they were going to kill Flag. Yeah. I didn't either. I was surprised by that. So that was another one of those moments where you went, oh. Because yeah, usually you see in a situation where the good guy's fighting the bad guy or the the the, the traitor in the mist, uh, the good guy kills the traitor. This t- time the t- traitor t- wins. Well, well, in this scene. Did he? He killed Flag. And then he gets out and he's going on. He's about to kill Ratcatcher 2 when Bloodsport stops him. I suppose you're right. But I he, do, he wins I, that moment because you know before that flag seemed like you know he's the good guy on the team he's the one who's the only one that's not a criminal right he's a soldier yeah that's what he says in the first film I think your son loves quoting the first film might I say just real quick the Academy Award winning Suicide Squad anyways what do you think of what's his face's turn Peacemaker I am not that surprised by it because we already saw that the there is a double cross early on in the beginning with two forces going in and the two forces didn't know that the other force was going in. So the fact that there's another double cross that was done, it's like not surprising. Okay. I guess I can see that. Sure. And so now that I know that, uh, 
Peacemaker is actually, you know, a douchebag completely, then I am all that much more rooting for Bloodsport to take Peacemaker down. We get to see it slowly a little bit, like I said at the camp when they do their little dick off, who has more kills, and then we get to see it again at the end of the movie when Bloodsport is going back, we have to go back for Harley. And so with that, it's like, okay, now that I know that Peacemaker's a douchebag, yeah, you got to go, and I am looking forward to Peacemaker dying. Here's the question. During the fight scenes and scenes with Ratcatcher 2, did you see a little bit in Peacemaker that he was questioning what he was doing? No. Because like even when he killed Flag, he looked in Flag like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I just did. I didn't get that at all. You didn't get that? Did you get any of that? Because he kind of mm-hmm. had that sad look on his face. Because we all know, I think you've heard, there's going to be a spinoff series all about the Peacemaker from Suicide from the Suicide Squad. Mm. Uh, and I haven't heard for sure if it's a prequel or if it takes place after the movie. But if it takes place after the movie, then I'm wondering how much what happened in this movie affects the type of character that he's going to be in the next series. Uh, I don't think his character changes. You don't think so? No. If it's a prequel, yay. Yeah. Uh, but if it's a continuation of this character, then... I mean, he made his choices, yeah. right? So I'm sure it'll have some sort of impact. So we get uh, Peacemaker dies, or at least we think he does. He gets shot, and the building collapses on him. They get the hard drive with the incriminating evidence, and Waller says, all right, guys, you're done. But however, in doing so, they have released... Unleashed the, uh, cr- the Kraken. <laughs> they won the nice... Uh, a big old starfish. I got the feeling from the way he moved and the way he was stomping things and the way he was slamming things. It felt very Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, so you got Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. You got aliens with him releasing the facehuggers from his armpit, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, so, yeah, I got to say, wasn't a huge fan of this villain. Me neither. A, I wasn't a huge fan of this starfish. Yeah, Starro the Conqueror. It was it, it it was campy, but you know, also at the same time watching all of those starfish going out, and I'm thinking, oh, all those people, that sucks. Yeah, it just didn't it just didn't do it for me. I guess uh, I was expecting this big bad bad guy of some sort, but. Is it better than the uh, all the trash floating around and the big beam coming from the sky from the first one? Yeah, yeah, it had a little, it had better moments, um, but overall, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of this starfish. So they figure out how to beat it with rats, and this, and this is kind of where it went south for me too. You know, uh, they send in King Shark to eat it, but it's not working, and, and then Polka Dot. Man, he he disa- he hurts. You know? Oh, that's right, because he yeah. pictures his mother, which I well, thought was one of the funniest it, scenes it in the movie. Totally, Bloodsport tells him, "Look, it's your mom." Yeah, and when the camera cuts back, it is his giant mom doing this. So that, doing that was big, pretty funny. And you see him burn off the leg, her, of her. ankle, or what looks yeah. like to be her ankle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he dies. Yeah. Well, I love how he yells, "I'm a superhero! I'm a motherfucking superhero!" and smash. Yes, yeah, then he dies. Here's a question for you about Starro. I think it was Professor you brought up earlier that Starro felt very, very aliens and facehugger. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Starro's been around longer than aliens. So did they steal from Starro? I don't think the idea of a parasite 
wrapping around a face to impregnate it came from Alien. I think it's come from way before that. I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatcher is kind of... It's kind of. I mean, those were pod people, yeah. right? But, I mean, the, the concept's the same, I suppose. So I think that maybe... Well, I don't know. You know, H.R. H. R. Geiger designed all of that. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he was a big DC comic fan. Yeah, Starro's first appearance was actually Brave and the Bold, number 28 from 1960. Yeah, I... I doubt, I think it's a coincidence, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they managed to take down this giant starfish with a million plus rats. And a javelin from Harley Quinn. Right. Who pokes it out. Now here's the part that kind of bugged me. Uh, Bloodsport pulls out all of his toys and his big guns and start, you know, the biggest gun that he's got and he's shooting Starro. Did you notice that he's just randomly hitting him? all over star when he's supposed to be like dead shot a crack shot that can hit wherever if he points at it he can hit the exact side he wants never once hits him in the eye maybe he wasn't aiming for the eye but where was he aiming he just randomly hitting the guy all over hey, the place. he's the marksman he knows better than i do i don't know he's just hitting them all over you think the first thing he would have done is gone for oh that looks like a soft spot let me hit him in the soft spot maybe i think that it's a big huge bullseye myself if you're going to shoot at something, shoot at the eye. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he just hits all around the eye. Yeah. So, the and again, kind of like the classic villain trope, once the big starfish dies, then everybody dies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very, you know, we've seen it a thousand times. Well, they did say early on that all the little starfish are just extensions yeah. of the big one. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the same concept. Mm-hmm. So... Again, kind of underwhelmed with the uh, bad guy and the finale, and actually overall the third act of this film. Yeah, I I thought that the third act fell off. Uh, The the second act was, I I think, the the strong part of the movie. Sure, I would agree with that Mm -hmm. for sure. And so they save the day. I like how Waller's crew takes her out, and so they can help the Suicide Squad to do the right thing. They save the day, and then... Unlike the first one where they got BET, a cappuccino maker, a punching bag, and time with his daughter, uh, Bloodsport says, you know what? We're free. We're free or I'm going to release all of this shit, right? So Waller really has no choice. So that leaves our characters up in the air. So I guess it's kind of a good thing that Hemdial dies in Infinity War or Idris Elba would be fucking busy. At one point, I think it would be a fun game is how many crossovers DC Marvel with actors, writers Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we've seen with DC and Marvel as a whole, not just this film, which would probably win because of James Gunn, but, you know, overall. Well, even Sylvester Stallone crosses over to both. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Someday. So do you think that all of these characters now are going to appear in a future DC universe? All I can say is that I hope so. I have a feeling this is the last we're going to see a rat catcher too. I don't see why they would bring her her back. She served her purpose. She's done. Well, you could say that. They about, did the rat thing. You could say that about everyone. Harley Quinn they'll bring back. That's a lock. I mean, she's easy. Uh, Idris Elba, he's questionable. If they get Will Smith, will they need both Will Smith and Idris Elba? That poses an interesting question. Um, so that, you know, that's a question. We know that Peacemaker's coming back. 
Yeah, but we don't know in what capacity yet. He's coming in a TV show. Well, they're coming in a TV series. Right. Whether they bring right. him back to Suicide Squad, who knows? But uh, he's definitely going to be in the TV series. I have a feeling that if they do another Suicide Squad, we'll get maybe one or two of them. And again, all brand new bad guys. I can see that. And I think uh, there'll probably be some sort of a cameo somewhere in the future. Weasel. Oh, absolutely. They didn't. Okay, so now we get to our post-credit scenes, right? Mm -hmm. And again, just like any comic book universe you decide to play in, you're not really dead unless you see yourself really die on screen. So Mm -hmm. the weasel who we thought was dead takes a breath, find out that it's not dead, and it runs off. And then we find that, like we said earlier, Peacemaker was found, and now he's in the hospital, and... Now we're getting a TV show. And they basically say he's got to go out and save the fucking world. Something like that. Yeah. I was hoping for a little bit something more tied into the, the, the heroes that we know or the stories that we know, but it doesn't make, it doesn't surprise me because neither of the guardian stingers were all that uh, forthcoming with new information. Like for one, we got Howard the duck. Yeah. I felt like the weasel one, why do we even need that scene? I mean, I understand they wanted to just Wondering. show him his life, but there was there was nothing to it. He just gets up and runs into the woods. Well, uh, I have a better question for you. Why did we even need the weasel to begin with? Comic relief. That wasn't funny. Yeah, there was some funny when he's licking the glass and when they thought he was a werewolf on the plane. Okay, so you did it for two bits? Yeah, two little bits. They're just putting him in there to be funny. And when he fell, like... Uh, a uh, professor was saying when they fell out of the plane and hit the water and did anybody check to see if you could swim? That I thought was a, one of the funniest scenes. Okay. Should we talk about why DC even grabbed James Gunn to do this? Why did DC choose James Gunn to make uh, this movie? Good question. So after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 hit, and then he was involved in Infinity War and Endgame, he's very uh, uh, high commodity for Disney. But it turned out that he said some not-so-nice things 20 years ago on, uh, I forget about what, but Disney fired him. And so everybody came to his rescue or or lack of a better term, and like Batista and Zoe Zeldana and Chris Pratt, they were like, we're not going to do Guardians 3 unless James Gunn does it. And Disney was like, well, fuck you guys. We're Disney. You will do what we say when we say and how we say. Well, as time went on, nothing was being done. I think they brought someone in to try and do Guardians 3, but the cast was like, go fuck yourself. And so in the meantime... DC got a clue and they said, let's get this guy to do the new Suicide Squad. It was rumored at one point that Mel Gibson was going to direct the second Suicide Squad, which I'd pay money to see that. But when Marvel found out that James Gunn was signed on to do Suicide Squad, even though in the press they gave it some bullshit reason, they were like, okay, please come back to us now. We want you to do Guardians Volume 3. And James Gunn said, okay, after... I'm done with Suicide Squad. So good for him for sticking it out with Suicide Squad because, I mean, you basically got Guardians Volume 3 with this. So I'm really excited to see what he will do with the actual Guardians 3, which is next on the plate for James Gunn. Mm -hmm. He was originally uh, unaware of, well, he didn't watch Suicide, the first Suicide Squad. So when DC brought him on board, the first thing they had him do, watch the first one. And... You can take or leave whatever you want from the first story. 
And the only thing that, that they were asking him to do was to make sure that they include that they included Harley Quinn in his movie. Sure. So he had free reign pretty much to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. And and this is what he came up with. Uh, I thought it was a fun, entertaining movie. Another little interesting small caveat was the uh, filming for this movie uh, concluded uh, in February of 2020, right before COVID. Oh, yeah. And so uh, Gunn did a lot of the editing during COVID lockdown. Yeah. The best time to do it, really. Mm -hmm. Just sit in your room and edit a film. I would love that. Now, we ended up watching this movie on the big screen TV downstairs. Do you think you'll go see it in the theater? Yeah, $5 Tuesday. Why not? I'm planning on. Yeah, I think we should all make a trek out and go see it. Yeah, I don't know how much more I want to spend time with you. So we'll see how that goes. You love me. <laughs> I love when you leave. Um, you love right. to watch me leave. <laughs> all right, so what do you think? Should we rate this bitch? How do we do our ratings? When we look at a movie and we decide how quickly, how eager are we to rewatch it? So, hypothetically, if we were to have seen this in the movie theater, we walk out and do we say, man, I'm ready to watch that again right now. That's a movie we're going to give a five. If we see the movie and we are displeased with what we saw and thinking, you know what, I saw it and now I have no desire to see it again, that's going to be a one. And then a three is going to be somewhere in between. Yeah, I guess maybe I could see it. How quickly you want to watch it is ambiguous, but you know that you're going to watch it again. You're just not necessarily all that motivated. And what would be a zero? A zero is me looking at you two bozos and saying, one of you, both of you owe me two hours of my life back. Whoa, why would it be both of us? It's only one person picked the flick. I don't know if only one of us picked a flick. We all wanted to watch it. It's true. All right. Maybe we just yell up to the tickets, the ticket booth. You owe me two hours. Yeah, maybe. There are films out there like that. I'd like to request that we do something a little different on this one. Okay. We'll give it our ratings. But also I want to hear if you would recommend this movie, since it's currently out there, to people to go and watch. Okay. And if there's like, you know, any audience, you'd say, ooh, don't go see this movie. Okay. I I get what recommend means. Go on. All right, so for me, I was looking forward to watching this movie. It is a superhero movie, which in general I look forward to. Not all superhero movies, but a lot of them. And I have enjoyed the Harley Quinn character ever since Batman the Animated Series. So uh, the, uh, the Birds of Prey movie, that was a mass average movie for me. And I was hoping that this would be better than that. And it, it really needed to be better than the first in the first uh, Suicide Squad, which I think it does do. I thought that the uh, characters were entertaining. I enjoyed the uh, unpredictability of the movie. The uh, The music was a lot of fun. I also uh, appreciated uh, Idris Elba a lot. And John Cena, I thought he did a, a really nice job in the movie as well. As I stated before, the third act, I thought it, it, it was weaker for me. It's a, a good movie, and I think that for me... I'm going to give this movie a 3.75. Would you recommend this movie to people who haven't seen it? In general, when it comes to recommending movies, I typically say one thing. And for this one, I would say, do you like superhero movies? And if they say yes, then I would say, yeah, then go see it. But as a non-superhero movie, you would not recommend it? As a, 
if you don't like a, if you don't like the the superhero trope of movies, then there's no reason that you're going to enjoy this because the um, the the person that isn't willing to go along with somebody like King Shark mm-hmm. or or Rat Catcher too, then you're going to you're going to be uh, appalled by the movie and think it is completely ridiculous. That's a fair point. That's a good point. Sure. Oh, you like and, and my wife, she gave this movie a three. Go on, Chit Nugget. I actually really looked forward to this movie, uh, and I was excited to see it. Shocker. Because, of course, I love everything comic book related. Uh, and I've said frequently on these podcasts, the types of movies that I give the low ratings to or that I don't enjoy is when they're very predictable you, you know how they're going to end because it's a story that's just been done over and over again. Those are the kind of movies that I don't enjoy watching. Whether they're good movies or not, I don't get much out of them. Uh, this movie was very unexpected. I mean, that's the key phrase, that's the key theme of this movie is just when you think something's going to happen one way, it completely goes the other direction. You know, just when you think, oh, Harley Quinn's flirting with this guy, she turns around and shoots him right in the chest. You know, you see this team going in on the beach in the very beginning. You don't expect. I mean, they've been promoting this movie for so long and naming all these actors. I mean, Nathan Fillion even had, I believe, the town, like, uh, town hall named after him for the release of this movie. And he's in five minutes of the movie at most. Um, you know, Pete Davidson missed the opening premiere of Saturday Night Live for five minutes in this movie. So they're just all die right. It's a lot of unexpected things. There's also a lot of scenes in this movie where, you know, sometimes when people shout at the movies or have things, you know, that they like to see happen that are actually done in this movie, you know, it's refreshing to see the bad guys get killed right away and, you know, just jump straight to the big bad monster, the kaiju at the end. It was refreshing. It was a change in movies that things weren't drawn out like they are in other movies. So, again, the fact that there was so much surprise elements for me in this movie increased the enjoyment factor of the movie so much more for me. And I really did like it a lot more than the first Suicide movie. And I'm really looking forward to watching again. I I actually want to go to the theater. I want to go to see it in IMAX. Because I think that'll be, the sound will be great. The picture will be great. I might catch a few more things I didn't catch the first time around. So for that reason, I'm giving it a four. A 4.0. So you're saying, you know, I don't even know if I want to get into it. Oh, you do. The whole predictability thing. This movie couldn't be any more predictable. Except for the deaths. I'll give you that. They did that on purpose to switch it up. And that's fine. But this movie was very predictable. That's all I'm going to say. When I say unpredictable, I mean, you know good guys are going to win in the end. I mean, that's just the way these movies typically happen. You know, here's A, A, B, and C. Those are always going to happen in the movies. I'm talking about, did you expect Harley Quinn to shoot the guy in the chest so fast mid-sentence? Or did you think then to draw, draw that out a little bit? He had proposed wedding. He had proposed to her. Yeah. Did you see the thinker dying so quick? After Pete Davidson getting shot in the face? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that just told you right there, everything's off the table. That anything could possibly happen. And anything does. So when yeah. the, the death, oh, the only death that surprised me after Pete Davidson was Flag. That was yeah. it. Everything but, else was fine. Yeah, but in the beginning, that whole even beginning scene, 
we didn't expect all those people just to die. Right, I know. And then once they did, everything else after that was par for the course. Mm. What about Julie? What did Julie think of the movie? Julie did not see the movie because this is not her type of movie. And I'm kind of glad because the moment we saw the rats on screen, she would have lost her shit. Yeah, there's a lot of rats. Yeah. She would have just been yelling the whole movie, fuck the rats. Julie gave it a zero. Do you recommend this movie to somebody else? I absolutely do. All of my friends would like this type of movie. Well, there you have it. So I, I would definitely recommend it. Would you give it a three point what? Seven five. And you gave it a four? I gave it a four. And two recommends. There you go. All right. Uh, the Suicide Squad. Better than the original. Uh, you can say what you want, whether it's a sequel or not. Doesn't matter. Uh, overall, as a film, it was better. It was better paced. It was better casted. The writing was better. The shots were better. Uh, the story was the exact same story. Some of the characters were the exact same characters, uh, but this was done in a more fun way. This was done in a way that we've seen before in a movie called, what was it called? Oh yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now I keep saying that, but I want to be clear, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right, I really enjoyed Guardians, the pace, the music, and James Gunn has a formula, and you can see his formula in this film specifically. So um, is it a good film? I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun ride. Uh, could the third act use some improvement? Absolutely. But you already have me for the first two acts, so I'm willing to write it out at the end. I, I will agree with you that the uh, deaths and the frequency that they're happening did surprise me in a good way. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you when you pull back the curtain, uh, it's the same story as every other superhero film out there. The, the trick is, can you take that same story and disguise it enough for people to have a good time and enjoy it and i feel that james gunn does that uh time and time again uh given his track record with superhero films so uh if you asked me which dc film or where this would fall in my favorites of dc this would probably be in the top five for sure and i've only seen it once uh would i recommend it yeah go see this fucking film you'll have a lot of fun if you like as the professor said if you like superhero movies and you like uh gore and uh just random shit happening it's a fun movie to see so with that being said and i do recommend it uh i am going to give the suicide squad a four as well and my wife gave this movie a three as well Gave it a three as well. Yeah. Very cool. Now, when you said it was in your top five, you said, I believe this is what, the 10th DC mainstream movie? Is it? Yeah, of the, yeah, I believe so. I was wondering how many there are now. And I, and I think maybe let me go back and say this a different way. This is in my top five of overall all DC movies. Okay. It, it's better than most of the DCEU. Now, normally at this point, we would draw a movie from our Bronco helmet, but we've actually already done this. this a, obviously, as you said at the beginning, this is a special episode to focus on Suicide Squad. So our next movie is... The same one that it was last week. Which is... Atonement. Atonement. So, which is a true period piece. Yes. So uh, we will get back to our helmet picks for our very next podcast. Yeah, there you go. 
All right. So does anybody want to say anything else about the Suicide Squad 2021? I will remember what it is that I wanted to say after we're done recording. Oh, so you forgot is what you're saying. Yes. All right. Well, there you have it. Hey, John, where can they find us? They can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can find us at any popular or even unpopular podcasting hosting sites. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Instagram. They can find us on Twitter. And typically, they can find us in Don's basement. All right. So there you have it. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Go see the movie.